0: This is the Black Box. Emergency response executive, Ken Jenkins, draws from his years of experience in deployment, logistics, planning, and after action analysis to take you inside the black box.
1: Now, here's Ken Jenkins. Welcome to the black box with Ken Jenkins. Our featured guest today is Dr. David Lindstadt, founder of Readiness Analytics, an organization focused on measuring recovery capabilities. Dr. Lindstadt's been published in international journals. He's presented at numerous international conferences. He taught for Norwich University's Master of Science in Business Continuity Management, and he serves on the editorial board and is a frequent contributor to the Journal of Business Continuity and Emergency Planning. He's currently co-authoring a book with Mark Armour on adaptive business continuity for Rothstein Publishing. So today we're going to be talking about business continuity and how it actually impacts and can help emergency response planners in deepening their emergency response plans. Doctor, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Ken. Um, in full transparency, Dr. Lindstadt and I met in April. I think it was April. Um, I remember it was 2014, early in the year, at an Ohio Contingency Planners conference. And Dr. Lindstedt, you were presenting the pre-workshop before the conference on business continuity. And I'd like to share with everybody, first of all, I'm an emergency response planner. I'm not into business continuity. Um, It it doesn't move fast enough for me, if you will. It's not as exciting to me um, to let you know the truth. and. But then I saw your presentation, right. your four-hour workshop, and you changed my mind about business continuity because you made me think of it in terms I hadn't thought of before. So um, you and I have been, I think, good colleagues and friends for the last two years, and I appreciate you joining us today. Absolutely. So readiness analytics, to give our, our, um, our, our audience an overview of readiness analytics and um how the rpc and i'll leave it rpc and let you describe that how that model is different from other business continuity models
0: okay so probably the best fastest way that you and i can jump into a conversation is to think about it this sort of a way so as you said just focusing on business continuity so not emergency management and not the it disaster recovery really just the, the recovery of businesses continuity of business services lots of organizations around the world are doing business continuity and the question is is it working how would you know so the traditional answer has been something like this well um, we have lots of documents for our many different departments in all of our many areas in our organization okay are those documents any good well, I can tell you that they've been updated uh, recently. Okay. Are the updates any good? Well, we've done an exercise. Okay. What was the point and the outcome of the exercise? Well, we had lots of people that were in the exercise. Okay. You get the idea. We spent a lot of time sort of counting things that we haven't really known what else to do. And so the focus of most uh, methodologies, good practices, best practices have been, well, let's produce some particular deliverables. Let's do a lot of documentation. Uh, then we'll do an exercise that internal audit or external audit will monitor and we'll call that good. And none of that really answers the question of, okay, well, how much better are we off now that we've done some preparedness planning. Are are we 10% more prepared, 50% more prepared? So this was the question that I was trying to answer and um, then ended up uh, focusing on coming up with the the RPC model, um, which basically says, look, you you can answer this question. The answer is what you need at a time of disaster are resources and need to know what you're going to do with those resources and without those resources, and you have to have the crisis competencies to be able to function. Those are things that you can measure and you can look for and you can improve, and that then answers the question of how do we know whether all this time and effort and pain and suffering on the part of the lowly business continuity planner is having any effect.
1: and that was what I enjoyed about your conferences. For me, you brought business continuity from a flat model to a holistic 3D model. You didn't look just at the uh, procedures, the P portion of the model, if you will, with RPC. You didn't look just at the documents, but you looked at the people and you looked at the competencies needed to do that. Um, Share with everyone um, how this RPC model is different from the business continuity models overall? Is it that you look at that holistic approach, which is different sure, than absolutely. other
0: models? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, traditional. Well, I mean, first off, there really aren't any traditional models, which is interesting in and of itself. Um, right. What we have are a collection of best practices, and now we have the uh, ANSI ISO 22301 guide basically what they say to do, they're pretty much all the same. What they say is um, the first thing you want to do is set up a program and get executive leadership to buy into it. And then you're going to need some money and you're going to need some people and you're going to need, some need to know what you're doing. Then you're going to do the business impact analysis or you're going to do a risk assessment. And then somehow magically you translate that into some – um, recovery strategies and then you have an exercise and then you do awareness and training and you're done Then you do it all over again. So a lot. the point is this, a lot of the best practices and the guides really focus on, well, here's how you set up a program and here's how you do a business impact analysis and here's how you do a risk assessment. Um, I'm going to argue and we can talk about this later uh, if you like. Um, But probably those three things aren't really necessary. Uh, And they're certainly not necessary to the degree that we've been talking. Mm -hmm. So this RPC model then really says, okay, well, why do I do certain things but not other things? Why do I care about uh, or what do I want to get out of an exercise? What do I want to get out of strategy and planning? And the answer is I care a lot less about documents and pieces of paper. What I care more about is that people are going to know what to do at time of disaster, they're going to have the stuff they need to do it, and they're going to be able to function through the crisis and not go screaming from the room back home and hiding under the covers. Uh,
1: And that's what I enjoyed, Uh, again, I think the most of of the four hours we spent together and then learning about um, what you do over the last two years is not only the holistic approach, again, um, as as, as I say that again, but looking at the documents themselves and then bringing them to life through the people that have to actually utilize those documents and whether or not they are um, educated in in the response aspects enough to be able to carry off the tasks that have been written. Um, you captured my attention with something else you said, and that is executive leadership buy-in. And and that is something that we may touch on um, in the next segment because there's uh, not always executive leadership buy-in. I've seen that with one major air carrier, for example, that had a fairly robust business continuity program that no longer has that. But when we come back from the break, I'd like to... Um, uh, spend more time explaining each of the model components the the rpc model r is for resources p for procedures and c is for competencies and when we come back with dr linstead we'll delve into those three items in more detail buckle up
0: more of the black box is next on rncn hang on tight you're listening to
1: the black box on rncn Welcome back to The Black Box with Ken Jenkins. Our guest is Dr. David Lindstadt, founder of Readiness Analytics, an organization focused on measuring recovery capabilities. And before the break, we were talking about his RPC model. And as we go into our our second segment, uh, Doctor, would you explain for for our audience what the three components of the RPC model are?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we can start anywhere, but let's just start with resources. So at time of disaster, I'm going to need some stuff. Now, that might be simple. I might need a couple of laptops and a cell phone over at the Paneras with Wi-Fi. Or I might need some a -a one-of-a-kind plastic injector. I might need a custom-made piece of machinery or a nuclear magnetic resonance imaging machine, whatever, right? Regardless of what those things are, I'm going to need some stuff. And we can categorize that stuff. We can look at uh, software and hardware and specialized equipment. We can look at uh, staffing. We can look at locations that have to be of a certain environment and with certain capabilities and et cetera. But we can go through the list of things that we're going to need. Again, not what we have now. But what we're going to need at time of disaster to recover our each of our services, at least in some minimal and acceptable fashion. So uh, procedures, then, are the what are we going to do? So this is everything from uh, where are we going to go, who's in charge of communications, whose authority do I need, when I get there, what am I going to do first, what am I going to do second, how do I restore my services, how do I do a damage assessment, how do I mobilize and organize my teams, how do I communicate between them, et cetera, et cetera. So all the stuff that we're going to do, uh, it would be better to know how to do those things before we had to do them uh, so we're not figuring them out at the time of disaster. Uh, And then the competencies, crisis competencies. Now, it's one thing to have a piece of paper that tells you what to do, not really good enough. Not only do I need to know those in my intellectual portion of my brain, but the more important a service is to recover, the more I better know the recovery procedures by habit. Uh, Of course, this is why military and airlines and law enforcement and all these other places train and train and train and train. You've got to know these things uh, depending on what you do by heart. And so these are the crisis competencies, things like uh, agreement on leadership's vision of what's important, ability to work in cross-functional teams, uh, having experience in a post-disaster environment, these kinds of things which are going to allow people to function throughout the crisis. And so all those three things, and you could break it down and break it down and break it down to whatever level of precision that you want, or summarize it up for an entire organization. Uh, But it allows you then to talk to leadership and to talk to stakeholders about where the real gaps are uh, that aren't in terms of of documents and pieces of papers and numbers of exercises. So,
1: So basically what you're doing is you're sharing, as you said in the first segment, is there is this great need in business continuity, and we'll talk about this with regards to emergency response as well, to have documents and there's a need to count things, which we do through the resources, the documents, or the procedures. Talk about how all or how these three modal or model components are connected to each other.
0: Okay, so this is where it gets a little tricky. If you're with me so far and you don't want to go any further, that's fine. You, you, you at least got a, a good start. Now, where it gets a little tricky is that none of these three things act in a silo none of them act independently let me take an extreme example suppose we have a manufacturing plant that is run by navy seals okay so these navy seals eat crisis and stress for breakfast they love it they're going to be fine their crisis competencies let's say are a hundred percent very exaggerated numbers but you get the point right And they know exactly, because they've sat and they've talked and they've exercised and they've thought about it and they've run what-if scenarios, they know exactly what they would do to recover their services at disaster. But let's suppose that a tornado comes through or whatever, let's not look at the cause, something happens and their entire manufacturing plant has been wiped out and they don't have capital To buy a new one, and they don't have one that's just standing by, and in fact they have no way of getting the resources that they need. So here you have a strange circumstance in this exaggerated case where you would have all the competencies, all the procedures, and none of the resources that you need to recover. So in this case, the odds of recovering are, well, probably zero at this point because of the way that the three factors interact with each other.
1: So why, why is it important to understand the connectivity of the three? When you're looking at, at, at the ability to recover, what's the importance of the three and how they work together? And why is it important to understand that?
0: Well, it's important because a lot of times, particularly leaders, but any, lots of people, will typically pick out one of the three, maybe two of the three to focus on. Uh, I've certainly heard of leaders uh, that say, look, uh, I don't care about plans. I don't care about resources. What I care about is I've got good people that know how to handle themselves in a crisis. That's great. But if you're in manufacturing and you don't have another manufacturing facility, it's not going to get you anywhere. Just in the same way that if I have all the stuff that I need, but I've never practiced, I've never talked about it, my awareness is down, I really don't know who is allowed to do what kinds of things, That's a problem with procedures, and you're not going to be able to use the resources that you have. So you've got to be able to look at that, I'll go to the word that you used in the first section, that holistic view of what it takes to be able to really recover following a disaster.
1: I know that's interesting because I find that when I first saw your presentation uh, in 2014, the first thing that hit me was, as an ER planner, we write a lot of plans and we count a lot of things and we educate our responders and what they need to do. But what we don't, I think, necessarily do is measure the effectiveness of those plans and the competencies of the folks responding and the efficacy of the resources. And we don't, and we might do one, but not the other. Or as you mentioned, we might do two and not all three. And it's important that we measure all three. So when we come back from the break, What we're going to talk about is how we can bridge that gap between the readiness analytics model and emergency response planners and how these these work together to help us recover in the aftermath of a disaster. More of the
0: Black Box coming up. You're tuned in to the Black Box
1: with Ken Jenkins on RNCN. Welcome back to the Black Box with Ken Jenkins. Our featured guest today is Dr. David Lindstadt. And when we last um, were speaking, we were talking about the RPC model and readiness analytics and the readiness test, which we're going to talk about in this segment. Uh, We were looking at resources, procedures, and competencies. And, Dr., I appreciate you explaining those uh, in terms of the holistic approach, Um, not only in business continuity, but I want to take it now to emergency response and how an ER planner. Who, in my opinion tend to initially focus on procedures and resources and to some extent the competencies of the responders and and I don't mean whether or not the responders competent obviously they wouldn't be in that position if they weren't it's whether or not they know the procedures and know the resources well enough to respond how could you or would you explain how how the emergency response group could use the RPC model to measure their ability to respond
0: Sure, so at a very high level, it's uh, relatively simple. So, look, regardless of what we're doing to respond, so um, let's say we're doing a... Well, I don't even know what a good example would be, so I'll I'll leave it open. When we're doing an emergency response... I've got to know what to do, and the people that are involved has got to do. All right, let's even an easy one, evacuating a building. So in order for me to be able to evacuate the building with all of my colleagues at the direction of the emergency managers and waiting for the all-clear from the fire warden, everybody's got to know what their part is. In the case of an evacuation, by and large, that's a pretty simple thing. In the case of putting out a wire, wildfire, uh, somewhat more difficult. So that's a lot about the procedure, so I need to know, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, who's in charge, how I coordinate, Uh, and I've got to have the resources, again, to be able to do that. In an evacuation, that's pretty simple. In a wildfire, that's very difficult. If we're looking at uh, recovering from the Christchurch earthquakes uh, and the emergency management work that has to go on there, the resources could be quite complicated as well as the procedures and then also then those competencies. Um, Am I on the same page as leadership. Uh, do we have the same sense of prioritizations, the same sense of what's important, and the same sense of how to proceed? Can I work with people I'm not used to working with? Uh, We have the interoperability radios, and we have um, the other uh, procedures that are in place there, but can I, can the police department work with the fire department, work with the emergency management at the state and the province level? Can we all, again, break down those silos and work together? Uh, Have I done this before? Am I used to working in a uh, post-disaster Environment. So looking at all those three things again and taking it out of a more business service context and putting it in more of an emergency management context. What are the things that I'm going to need to know um, if there is a loss of property situation? And what are the resources I'm going to need to be able to address that situation? And then will all of us involved in responding to that situation be on the same page and have the training uh, necessary and those crisis competencies to be able to function as we work to address the emergency situation?
1: And I remember when we were in, in your conference, and you had us all take the readiness test, and it i mean, it was very enlightening, and, and, and honestly, it scared me a bit, because it, it really <laughs> measured, I, I know, it measured even in, in the, the artificiality of the conference, if you will, and that we were looking at a scenario that you presented and said, okay, I want you to answer these questions. It still makes you start thinking about your response plans in ways you've not thought of it before. And it certainly did that for me. Would you explain um, a couple of things for for everyone is uh, what the readiness test is, and then as we go further in your work, I know that you have a new book coming out. Would you explain a little bit about the new book and what it's about?
0: Yeah, sure. Real quick. So... Um if anyone listening wants to do these things and sort of start thinking in these ways and asking these kinds of questions, awesome, go for it. Uh, and come up with your own questions, come up with your own spreadsheets, come up with your own surveys. Um, if you want a jump start, Then what I developed was the readiness test to basically take all of these measures, the calculations, the questions, the step-by-step, and put them into like a survey tool with a lot of robust reporting on the back end. So the idea is, look, you can figure this out yourself or you can jumpstart it, but either way, start asking these kinds of questions uh, that get to the nature of a measurement instead of a count. A question about degrees of preparedness, and not whether things are yes and no. Um, basically, like you said, can uh, the but we talked about this was uh, in depth it was 2014, and a lot of things have happened since then. Uh, a colleague of mine named Mark Armour and I came up with what we called the Continuity 2.0 Manifesto to start addressing some of the problems that we're seeing that have arisen from traditional continuity planning, uh, and that led to another. And we're now we're working on a book called The Adaptive Business Continuity, uh, and we're aiming to get that out as fast as we can write it.
1: Well, congratulations on the new book, and and for everyone listening, I I have to say, for someone like me that was not really into business continuity, your model and readiness analytics and the readiness test changed my view of how I perform my emergency response planning work and how I develop procedures and I look at the job responsibilities and the resources of those folks that are going to be responding, and and I will forever be in your debt for that. For our listeners... well, you're welcome. And for our listeners that would like more information, feel free to drop us an email at, theblackbox at Ken Jenkins, LLC. That's theblackbox at Ken Jenkins, LLC. And Dr. Lindstadt, thank you again for being a guest on today's show. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. Nice talking with you.
0: For more information on The Black Box with Ken Jenkins, visit us online at KenJenkinsLLC.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter.